return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to have Isaac, er, yeah, Isaac DeFour come up. He's going to be sharing, so let's give him a hand as he comes. Amen. Hallelujah. Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? So tonight, once again, we are grateful. We bless you. We honor you. We worship you for such an awesome time in your presence. We give you all the glory, O God, that we are going to be fed by your word tonight. It is our prayer that you prepare our hearts, you prepare our minds, that we will benefit greatly, O God, from this word. It is my prayer that you use me as a vessel and speak for your word unto your people. Let lives be changed. Let people be empowered. Let lives not be the same again. We thank you for an answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So we thank God for tonight. I bless God for my life and your life. And also grateful to the pastorate of the church for this great opportunity. God richly bless you so much. So tonight we'll be talking about don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. In, in, in recent times, one of the key tools the enemy is using against believers and children of God is intimidation. And Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. So tonight God wants us to know that great is he who is in us than that which is of the world. So we should not be intimidated. Let's read Deuteronomy 31.6 from the Message Bible. So be strong, take courage, don't be intimidated, don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. Amen. So this is an assurance from God. He's saying that he's with us, he's not going to leave us, and we should never be intimidated. You know, I cannot delve into this topic without talking about, you know, what God has done for us as children of God and the position he has placed us, you know, in the kingdom. So when you read the book of John chapter 10, verse 10, we see the mantra of the enemy. We see the slogan of the devil. And that is his objective. Bible says that first he's a thief. And secondly, what he came to do is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this has been his mantra, this has been his objective, this has been his... His way of life, right from the beginning. So when you read the book of Revelation, the Bible says that because he's a thief, he wanted to usurp the glory of God. He wanted to take, you know, what did not belong to him. And the Bible says that because God is God, he overcame him and he held him down onto the earth. And that is Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. It talks about how God was saying that war unto the earth because the adversary, the enemy, has been sent down. And it's interesting, you know, coming down on earth, you'll be thinking the enemy would want to change his strategy. But, you know, he's so persistent that he keeps this mantra moving. And when you, when you read scriptures, the Bible says that when he came on earth, his target was, was man. 
you know, he changed his target and his target was man. The reason why he targeted man was that when you read the book of Genesis chapter 12 verse 6, the Bible says that man was created in the image and the likeness of God. It means that God, you know, had made us glorious. God had made us powerful. God has made us so much authoritative that the enemy, you know, had to move to us. He wants to steal the glory of God from us, you know. He wants to kill the vision and the objective that God had for man. And, and when you look at, you know, image, you know, I did a let, I, I'm, I'm doing science and I did a bit of general science. And you know that any time you put an object in front of a mirror, you see the image of that object. And one, one wonderful thing is that the image is, is directly a replica of that object. You know, there is no way you put a human being in front of a mirror and you see the image of a dog. No. You can't, you can't put the image of a jackrabbit in front of a mirror and then maybe see a coyote in there. No. It doesn't work that way. The image you see is a direct reflection of the object. So it means that you and I are so much blessed that we reflect God. And that is who God has made us. So powerful, you know. You can't stand in front of a mirror wearing a blue shirt and then see a red shirt. No, it doesn't work that way. It is just a direct reflection. And I remember, you know, whilst I was, when I was young, we used to think, and from movies, that ghosts don't have images. I don't know whether you, you heard of that, that in movies you see a ghost stand in front of a mirror and you don't see any, any image. You know, and it's, it's, it's so amazing. But for us, we are a direct reflection of God. We carry so much power, we carry so much authority that had been transferred to us because we are in the image and the likeness of God. And because of that, we become the target of the enemy. And unfortunately, the devil succeeded. And through lies and deception, you know, he rid us of this authority, he rid us of this glory. But thanks be to God that there was a solution. And the solution was in Christ Jesus. Bible says that because of his death on the cross, because of his blood that was shed for us, because of his majestic resurrection, you and I were restored back unto God. So when you read the book of Galatians chapter 13 verse 3, the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. He had taken the curse upon himself. And as we know it is written that curse is the man who hangs on a tree. And not only did he reverse that curse and give us blessings, but rather he restored the authority and the power that God gave to us. So as you sit here as a child of God, know that you carry so much power. You carry so much grace and so much power. Matthew 28, when Jesus resurrected, Matthew 28, 18, you know, and when he charged his disciples, he said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. All that he was trying to say is that that authority is mine and you have it. Go. So we, we, we have that original authority. We have that original glory that God, you know, made man with right from the beginning. And he has also given us the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that, you know, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So as children of God, we have the power of God because we have the Spirit of God residing in us. You know, when we're singing and, you know, you know the songs were coming, we're talking about the fact that we are the embodiment of God. We carry His Spirit within us. So we carry so much power, power to witness and power to do exploits. So there is nothing that can restrict us. But Romans 8.15 tells us something about this spirit that God has given us. You know, he said that, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When you read NIV, it says that you have not received, the spirit you have received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear. 
Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. So it means that the spirit of God, which dwells in us, has actually elevated us. It has lifted us from mediocrity, from slavery, into a place of prominence and royalty. That is who we are in Christ Jesus. And, and because of that, we are no longer scared as slaves, but rather we carry power, we carry boldness, and we carry you know, courage from above. Bible says that the righteous shall be as bold as a lion. And that is who you are. And apart from that, we have been adopted as sons of God. And I was just trying to think of the scenario, looking at maybe a son or a child of a rich man or a wealthy person. You know, by default, the child of such a great person, by default, will automatically or is destined to be great. Unless there are, you know, unfortunate situations. Definitely, this child or this son, you know, is born to be great because he's a son of a wealthy man. Unless maybe there is bankruptcy or maybe the father decides that he's not going to, you know, make the child an heir to his inheritance. But, you know, we serve a God who cannot go bankrupt. You know, everyone in this world can go bankrupt. We serve a God who cannot go bankrupt. In the book of Haggai chapter 2 verse 8, Bible says that silver and gold are mine. You know, Bible says in Psalm 24 that the earth and its fullness are mine. How can such a God go bankrupt? So you know that definitely on the, you are on the winning side. You, 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 are, you are a child or a son of a father who cannot go bankrupt. And, and, and God is not as mean as men of this world who will give birth to children and say that they are not going to you know, give their inheritance to their children. No. You know, Bible says that every good and every perfect gift you know, comes from above. It comes from the Father of light in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So our God is a good God. And, and, and that is who he has made you. You are, you, are, you are carrying his presence. You are carrying his power. You are carrying his glory. And that is who we are as children of God. So know that by default, as a child of God, you are blessed. By default, you carry power. By default, fear should not be your portion. By default, you are a child of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the only thing that prevents the child of God or one of the tools the enemy uses, you know, to deprive the child of God of such glory is intimidation. And that is one of the tools of the enemy, you know. What the enemy does is to inspire fear in the children of God. What the enemy does is that intentionally he wants the child of God to be fearful and not know who he is in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you feel that you are incapable. Sometimes, you know, as a child of God, you know that you carry the glory, the power of God. You can do all things. Everything you set your heart to do by the help of the Holy Spirit, you should be able to achieve it. Everything God has placed, you know, in your heart to achieve it, definitely by the help of the Holy Spirit and because of the presence of God in your life, you can achieve it. But the enemy will bring intimidation. And he will tell you that you are not fit for it. This, this vision you have set for yourself, this target you have placed ahead of you is far-fetched. The enemy tries to use emotional blackmail against the child of God. And sometimes he tries to use the past of the believer against the child of God. But the Bible says that there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ. So, so, so when a child of God does not have this knowledge, when a child of God forgets who he is in Christ Jesus, what happens is that he falls for the trap of intimidation. But thanks be to God that we are not ignorant about the devices of the enemy. So tonight I want to tell you that don't be intimidated. I don't know what you have said ahead of you. I don't know what God has planted in your heart. 
I don't know the burden God has laid on your spirit. I don't know what God wants you to do for him. But don't fall for the trick of the enemy. You carry so much power that you can achieve it. You will not be intimidated. Hallelujah. And, and, and sometimes, you know, the enemy is so tricky that he uses so many tools, you know, to intimidate the child of God. Sometimes he even uses people. There are times you also plant, you know, intimidating thoughts in the minds of the believer. And these are things we should arm ourselves against as children of God. When you read scripture, we see so many people in scripture who were intimidated, but because, you know, they, they knew who they were in Christ, and because they stood for God, they were able to overcome the trek of intimidation. And tonight, we, I just want us to talk about a person called Nehemiah. We just use Nehemiah as a case study for today's word of God. We all know the story of Nehemiah, who he was. You know, the people of Israel were taken as captives to Babylon, and he happened to be, you know, a captive. And when you read scripture in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1, Bible says that for him he was a bit privileged because he found himself in the palace and he was a cup bearer to the king. And one day he was there and he received um, a bad news about the state of Jerusalem. And the report was so bad that Bible says that he broke into tears and he cried and saw the face of God. And the information he received was that, you know, Jerusalem is in tatters. You know, the gates have been destroyed, the walls have been broken, and it looks as if there is no hope. And Bible says that he started to pray to God, started to remind God about his promises concerning the people of Israel. And Bible says that God laid a burden on his heart. God actually gave him a vision. And the vision God gave to him was that he should go back and make sure that he builds the wall. Tonight I want to ask you, even as the word of God is coming, what vision has God given to you? You know, what burden has God laid on your heart? What, 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 what dream is, is ahead of you that, that, that the enemy wants you to feel that you cannot achieve it? Now, because of how huge and how, you know, how wonderful this, this vision and this, this thing that God gave to him was, you know, he was intimidated on all sides. But when you read the scripture, you realize that he was able to stand against the intimidations of the enemy. And tonight, these are some of the things God has laid on my heart for us to share. So let's read Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Okay, so, but when Sambala the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they loved, they loved us to scorn and despised us. So, one, they loved and scorned us. Two, they despised us. And, and said, what, what is this thing that he do? Will he rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said to them, The God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Let's read Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's add Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sambalat heard that we builded the wall, he was wrought and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Okay, so... So one of, one of the things we see in these two scriptures we have read is that one of the ways by which the enemy intimidates us as children of God is that sometimes he mocks at us. You know, sometimes he makes us feel as if uh, we, we have not even thought of what we are going to do. And, 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 and what, we, what we see here, we see mockery, we see radical, we see discouragement. When you read other versions, it says that they discourage us. So tonight, what has God placed on your heart? 
Is the enemy telling you that you cannot achieve it? Is the enemy discouraging you from attaining what God has laid on your heart? Are friends laughing at you? Are family members not agreeing with that vision, with that, 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 that dream that God has given to you? And they are saying so many things, you know, to lay you back. I just want you to ponder over the word of God. You know, for them, they had people like Sambalat and Tobias, whom the enemy, were, the enemy was using, you know, as, as people to intimidate them. And, and, and it happens to us as children of God. Sometimes, you know, you have a dream and you only, only you understand the dream that God has given to you. God revealed it to you alone. But there are people around who are like spectators who want to point and tell you where to go. But God has given you the dream. And it is my prayer that we'll be able to stand. One thing I see Nehemiah do from what we read is that he said that the God of heaven will prosper us. You know, in the face of discouragement, in the face of the mockery and the ridicule, you know, he, he trusted God. He said that the God of heaven will prosper us and we shall be able to build. And you people have no portion in it. So one thing, you know, one way by which we can arm ourselves against the intimidatory tricks of the enemy is to trust in God. We should not waver the promises of God. Because looking at how he even set off to start building the, 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 the wall was a miracle. He prayed to God. God gave him the direction. And above all, he even found favor before the king. And the king gave him the things he needed to build the wall. I want to tell you that so far as God has given you that dream, he will give you the grace to accomplish it. Just trust in the word of God. So the first thing is that he trusted God. He trusted God. I, in, I know of a man back in Ghana who, who was nearing his retirement and he worked in a bank. And, you know, all, all that time he, he, he knew he was very intelligent, you know, but because of, you know, the kind of parents he had and the background he came from, the, the parents didn't have so much money to push him into the university. So he actually just finished school with a diploma certificate. And in those olden days, you can work with the bank with, you know, those diploma certificates. So he had been in the bank for so many years, giving birth to all his children. Some had completed university, and his youngest child was, was also in the university, in college. And, you know, God had always been pressing on his heart that he's, he's, too, he's too knowledgeable. He can, he can learn more. He can pursue further education. But he was also thinking about his retirement. You know, there is a particular age you can go on, you know, voluntary retirement and then get all your benefits. And he hadn't attained that age. But God kept pressing on his heart that, you know, stop working in the bank. You have built your house from working in the bank. You have taken care of your children with money you, you, you got from the bank and all that. But I know you can get a degree. So stop and go to, the, go to the college and get a degree. And when he told his wife, it was like, are you crazy? Why wouldn't you even wait till you reach your, you know, voluntary age so you can get all your benefit? Other than that, everything you have worked for will be in vain. But one day he was, you know, listening to the word of God from one powerful man of God in, in Ghana. He's a teacher, Mensah Otabel. And the teachings the man was, you know, teaching on television, you know, moved him and quickened that dream that God placed on his heart. So he just decided to quit his job at the bank. His friends laughed at him. Some insulted him. Said so many things, you know. And he eventually ended up in the same class as his youngest son. 
So the, the, the college education was like four years. And it was not like you could do a distance or online where you can be working and then still schooling. He had to quit everything and then be like a college child, you know, going to school. And last, when he was narrating his story, you know, he said he was like, he was even older than some of the professors and he, you know, in the midst of kids, he had to endure and go through it for four years. But interestingly enough, after the four years, when he got his, his degree, he got a great job from the World Bank. You know, they considered all his experience he had from the bank together with this degree he had. And the kind of salary he was earning, you know, he was almost close to retirement. But the kind of salary he earned till he retired was like five times more than all his years he had spent, you know, working. And even in the course of working for World Bank, he pursued his master's. He alone understood the dream God had given to him. He alone, you know, knew what God had told him. But everybody around, you know, everybody was mocking at him. Everybody was like, you know, his wife was not even in agreement earlier on because, you know, stopping, where are we going to get money, and all that. But when he pursued it, you know, it took him to a different level altogether. Tonight, what I want to say is that don't be intimidated. Just understand the vision God has given to you and hold on to the word of God. Because definitely when you hold on to the word of God, it brings blessings. You know, the enemy has used intimidation to destroy families. He has used intimidation to destroy friendships. You know, people are not even able to go to old school reunions because they go when they know they, know they have not achieved much. And when they go back, their friends are going to mock at them. And indeed, they are going to mock at them. They are going to intimidate them. You know, people cannot go for family gatherings any longer because they are considered as underachievers and, and even brothers and siblings are mocking at them and intimidating them. And these are the tools of the enemy. But hold on to the word of God. So far as you are not lazy and you are, hold on, you are holding on to the word of God and you are doing what God wants you to do, you are on the right track. So Nehemiah was not intimidated. What he did was that he held on to the word of God. He knew that the God of heaven you know, will prosper his hands in building the house of the Lord. So this is one thing, you know, God laid on my heart, that hold on to the word of God. You know, one of the ways the enemy uses, like I said earlier, is that he uses emotional blackmail. And sometimes you want to, you know, pry on your weaknesses, you want to pry on your bad history, you want to pry on your unprivileged background, you know, to restrict you from, you know, achieving what God has laid on your heart. When you digress a little bit to Judges chapter 6, verse 15, it talks about the story of Gideon. You know, uh, when, when you look at how the you know, angel you know, encountered Gideon, he said that God be, the, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. So what the, angel, what, what the angel wanted to tell Gideon was that, you know, God is with, with you. That aspect is already catered for. You know, God is definitely with you. And then he started, you know, ranting. I, I think I shared about this in my last, you know, sermon. And, and the next thing he said in the verse 15, now he had to deal with intimidatory thoughts, you know. And he said unto him, oh, my Lord, where, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. All you need is God being with you. Moses said that if your presence does not go with me, I will not go. All we need is that we have the assurance that God is with us. But apart from the fact that the angel assured him that God was with him, 
he was also dealing with the intimidation, intimidatory thoughts of the enemy. He felt that his background was not good enough. You know, Manasseh is one of the weakest tribes in Israel. And, and the fact that even Manasseh is included as, as part of the 12 tribes of Israel was just because of Joseph. Because we don't have Joseph in the tribes. You know, the sons of Joseph was Ephraim and Manasseh. So it was by virtue of the merit of Joseph, they were added to the 12 tribes. So obviously when you rank them, Judah will always be on top. And I'm sure Manasseh, you know, is far behind. And even within the, the tribe Manasseh, his clan was the poorest clan within that, that tribe. So you realize that for him, he was far off. I'm sure that they were a bunch of underachievers. There were, there were no, you know, people, you know, in their family to even give him courage that he's able to achieve something because nobody has achieved anything. And, and he said that even in his family, he's the least. I was trying to read so many scriptures to see if I could get a different version of the list. And almost every scripture I read was saying list, list, list. And I was like, list could mean so many other things. It could mean that age-wise he was the youngest, you know. And sometimes the enemy intimidates you. Look at your big brother who has achieved this dream. You, you are the smallest. They, you, were, you know, when, when, you were, when you were born, they saw you in diapers and all of a sudden you say you want to achieve this big dream. You can never achieve it. You are the youngest. And sometimes the enemy intimidates us with that. You know, he might, it may be maybe he's the most untalented or the ungifted amongst, you know, his siblings. It could mean that he is the uneducated amongst them, you know. It could mean so many, so many negative things. Maybe the black sheep of the family. But he was the least. And, and nobody knows why he was the least. But you realize that in the list, or on the list, he was nowhere to be found. Yet God wanted to use him to do the miraculous. So tonight, forget about your background. There is no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Know that he who has called you is faithful. And that he is able to achieve it for you. So, but fortunately enough, I read the message Bible. And the message Bible gave me a different, you know, name for the, the list. It says that rant of the litter. You know, the rant of the litter. I just wanted to find out what that means. And, and it says that it's actually a derogatory word for the the weakest, or the undersized. So you know, animals like dogs and pigs give birth to like so many, you know, like so many piglets and, 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 and puppies. And sometimes when you look at them, even though they were all born at the same time, there are some which are undersized, and there are some that look, you know, frail and weak amongst the litter. And that is the meaning of the rant of the litter. So it means that he was not good enough. But when God needed somebody to save the people of Israel from the hands of the Midianites, God chose Gideon. So it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter what the enemy is using as intimidation. Know that once God has said it, he's going to accomplish it. David was the youngest, yet he was the one who killed Goliath. He was the one who was anointed king. And some time ago I was talking about Second um, Kings chapter 5, verse 12. You know, it's a quick one. Are not Abana and Fapa, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. This is the story of Naaman. Naaman, who is leprous, who needed healing, comes to Israel, meets the prophet Elisha, and the command Elisha gives to him is that, go and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And this man becomes offended. Because where he's coming from, where he's coming from in Syria, whose capital is Damascus, 
they had these two water bodies, Abana and Fapa, which actually flows from Mount, Mount, Mount Hermon, you know, and it, it was noted as two of the cleanest water bodies you could find in that time, you know, and waters that flew from them, that, that ran down from the mountains were tastier, they were more wholesome, they were cleaner as compared to the, the waters in Israel that were low-lying water bodies that were muddy, you know, waters. Why would God want to use this muddy water Jordan to heal me? But at that time, it didn't matter the nature and the state of Jordan. God wanted to teach him a lesson that he can even use that which, is not, which does not have any merit to do great things. So Naaman, who was a great man, had his healing, not from the gorgeous water bodies from his hometown, but rather the Jordan that is, over, that is overlooked, the Jordan that is not respected, that is muddy, he received his healing. So once you are in Christ Jesus, you, you carry so much power. You know, God has great plans for you, and you can achieve that which he has set ahead of you. So don't be intimidated. One thing I see was that he stayed focused. The reason why I say that is that in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, he stayed focused. Bible says something in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Can you get it? You know, they came and then they wanted to intimidate him once again. But he said something in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. What he said was that they came to intimidate him and then he made a statement. Okay, so now it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of the, our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein. When they started, they were mocking him, they were ridiculing him. And now the next step was that they saw that he had started. Now this time around, he had built almost everything. It was left with just the gate. They came back again, and they said, yes. And they, and they said, then, that Sambalat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, come and let us meet together in some, in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. When you read other versions, he said that they wanted to intimidate me. Let's go to the next. Okay. And I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Hallelujah. You know, when you read other version, he said that I am doing a great project and I cannot leave this project. He was focused. So just, just be focused on what God has told you. Don't allow any intimidating thoughts. Don't allow any workings of intimidations to upset you. He said that I am carrying a great project and I'm not going to come down. He was focused, and he, he was focused to achieve what God has given to him. He was not distracted. He was not distracted. I remember some time ago, I went for a research conference back in Ghana. At the time, I had only my master's degree, and it was a conference that had professors, you know, postdocs. It's a general conference. So I was like a student who was also going to present in, in that conference. And the presenter who went ahead of me, was actually a postdoctoral fellow. So it means that he had done his master's, he had done his PhD, he's even doing postdoc. And the kind of presentation the guy was giving was, oh my God, mind-blowing. And I'm the one supposed to go after him. And, and one of my strengths is, 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 is scientific presentation. But all of a sudden, I just felt numb. The kind of you know, applause he was receiving 
the kind of notes the other professors were giving to him, the how interesting his presentation was, how he was delivering, and even the, the kind of work he had done, you know, he's at a higher level, so he had actually done great science. And, and I was at the master's level, my science would not be equal to his, his science, but he's also overperforming. And then all of a sudden, I just, you know, the thought of fear just ran through my mind and my heart. And, and I, I, I was, you know, I, it was very cold, you know, air-conditioned room, and I, I started sweating. And it was like, I can't perform. You know, I, but, you know, just as I sat down and, you know, they gave him the last applause and it was my turn. I had still not recovered. And it was my turn to just mount the, the, the platform. You know, just, the word of God just dropped within my spirit. I have not given the spirit of fear. And, and, and in a way, I was very charged. You know, I was, I was wearing a suit. So some of, after my presentations, my friends who were in the audience said that, ah, when I was going to the podium, they saw I was like, you know, pulling my suit, like some kind of confidence had changed. And I was telling them that there was something spiritual going on within me. I had, had received some spiritual encouragement from above because I just, you know, was stirred up. And that, that, that conference, I was the second best oral presenter in that conference. You know, I was really intimidated by this person. He didn't even get any award, I don't know. But, but I got an award for, for that, that seminar. And I, I, just, I just thank God for it. And I just said that greater is he who is in us. So don't be intimidated, you know, just stay focused, just stay focused. Don't look at any, anyone else, just hold on to the word of God he has given to you. And just pursue it, and just pursue it, and God will bless you. Because of time, I will shelve the, the other part of the message, but tonight, God wants us to encourage you. He's saying that, know who you are in him. You know, he has brought you from somewhere, he has glorified you, you carry so much power, you are an overachiever. There is nothing beyond you. Just hold on to God's word and then pursue the vision. You'll be able to pursue it. Just, just move on. Don't be intimidated by your background. Don't be intimidated by what people are saying. Just hold on to the word of God and just move on. I think that experience has changed my life forever. It doesn't matter where I go. I know that God is with me. Hallelujah. So let's, let's, let's not be intimidated by anything. Let's hold on to the word of God. And I believe that as we hold on to the word of God, the word of God is true. And Bible says that the word of God is also a weapon, you know, and, and we'll be able to overcome every, everything, every, every form of intimidation and achieve what God has said ahead of us. Tonight, this is what God wants me to share with his church. Don't be intimidated. Let not your age intimidate you. Let not your status intimidate you. Just move on and hold on to the word of God. And I believe that God will definitely bless us. May the Lord bless his word tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? One of the things Nehemiah also did to you know, overcome this intimidation was that he prayed that God will strengthen his hands. In the book of Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 9. Even as you close your eyes, I just want you to pray this personal prayer. I don't know what God has laid on your heart. I don't know what task you have ahead to achieve. But just tell God that God, just like Nehemiah asked you to strengthen my hands, that I'll be able to build this temple, I'll be able to build this wall. And you gave him that grace and the ability to accomplish it. God, strengthen my hands. 
Let not my hands be feeble because of intimidation. Give me the grace to be able to achieve it. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So tonight we bless you and we give you all the glory, O God, for your word. Your word has come in season and your word has come to inspire us, to empower us, and to encourage us. Your word has made us to know who we are in you, Christ Jesus. That we are bold as a lion and that there is nothing we cannot do if we have you in our lives. We thank you and we give you all the glory. It's our prayer that you give us the grace and the ability to achieve that which you have laid ahead of us. It's our prayer that you strengthen our hands, O God. That we will not be, will not be, will not succumb to any intimidations, but rather by your word in us and holding on to your word, we'll be able to overcome every wiles of the enemy and be able to achieve that which you have set ahead of us. Tonight we thank you and we give you all the glory for an answered prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. Yeah, if anyone needs prayer, yeah, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.